0: Of emails to get into. Um, Some unexpected things occurred. I don't know if we talked about it much on Monday, but uh, we're going to dive right into this and not waste any time. I was one of the fortunate who attended game seven of the uh, World Series. Now, I was uh, a little, you know, I'm a little baffled by the fact that uh, I actually had some people tell me that they thought me driving through 500 miles one way to go see a game was crazy well they're idiots because that game was the single greatest game I've ever attended and it was almost uh, life changing and, and I know you might think that's uh, insane but I'm not joking around I mean that game was. Uh, I'm going to get into it big time here, but I'm telling you what it, it was. It was not only an epic game, but it was about the atmosphere. It was about uh, the intensity, the historic occasions. It was uh, unbelievable. And I know everyone's kind of saying that. Everyone's hopping on that bandwagon and talking about, you know, how how great a game it was. But it really was. And uh, to, to give you some background on what happened, I'm sitting at home. I have a great, you know, I have some great friends, obviously. Um, you know, and it, and it goes to my, my uh, you know, I, I like to get on my soapbox quite a bit. And, uh, talk about life and, you know, where, where I think you should go with your life and what you should do with your life. And, um, I've been very fortunate to have made a lot of decisions, uh, with regards to my life. And, you know, I took a lot of chances, you know, I, I could have, uh, I could have taken the safe route and stayed in teaching and. And not worried about, you know, trying to do what I love and 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 not go out and take a chance. And this way, I would just be safe, you know, and, and just take the job and get your, you know, benefits, put your time in. Um, but I didn't do that, you know. I I was I was a teacher, and I was a teacher for twelve years. You know, I had some money put in, and I still have a little bit of money saved on that, but. Uh, I could have put in another five and then got out, and I I just couldn't do it. It it wasn't fun anymore. It wasn't – it was too political, and I decided to make a change, and I I went into this coaching thing full-time without a real – you know, without a lot of things set in stone. I kind of just went and winged it. Got a job with the Kings. Got a job with the Clippers. Got a job with Sparks. And the rest is history But um, it is because of those choices That I was able to do what I did yesterday Just to be to have the freedom So I hop in my car I drive 500 miles down to Cleveland From Connecticut And about an 8 hour drive And I'll tell you something else The drive itself It really is beautiful It's a beautiful time of year To be on the East Coast It really is I think that the fall Is the best season in on the East Coast not not the summer, not the spring. The second best is probably spring, then summer, then winter, of course. But driving down all the way through the Pennsylvania, I'm driving through uh, Jersey a little bit, I think. But I mean, the roads were beautiful, the trees were beautiful. Um, it's fall; the leaves are changing colors. They're flying all over the air. It was it was some. It was drove by Williamsport. Um, it, it was just a beautiful drive, very therapeutic. You know, you play your music. Driving along the road, and and it's therapeutic. It kind of lets you. I put some music on, and you just kind of escape from reality. Um, But I was fortunate enough to get some tickets—not just tickets in the boonies. I thought I was going to be up in the stick somewhere, but I was actually fortunate enough to be about tenth row, in between third base and uh, and the foul pole. And beautiful seats, perfect seats, kind of foul ball alley, and only about—I think we were letter H. So that's how deep we were from A to H. And uh, another thing that kind of surprised me, well, I'll get into this, but uh, so I'm driving the the, the time it takes me to get down there. I left about four in the morning, got there at about one in the afternoon, got to meet with my people and some great people I met with. And obviously the Vedas are the ones that are responsible for me even going to this thing. So I met them at their house, went and got a great corned beef sandwich down there at Corky and Lenny's, a real famous place out there in Cleveland. And Um, got to hang out a little bit at the home before we headed out there. We got to the game a couple hours early, and it was already a zoo. It was already chaotic. I don't think anybody showed up to that game at game time. I don't think one fan showed up after 7 p.m., and the game started at 8. it, It was packed to the gills, out in front, in the bars, we parked at about six and it took us till six to get in there. It was just jam packed. There was no parking. Parking was 50, 60 bucks a pop. Everybody was paying it. You tried to walk into the stadium. Um, it, it was chaotic at six. I went to the gift shop, went to, the, you know, you just couldn't move. And, and, I guess it was kind of disappointing, but because uh, I was kind of rooting for the Indians, and I'll tell you why. But um, th- it was about a sixty forty split on Indians fans to Cubs fans. It- it's ridiculous, but it-, it was intense as soon as you walked in. Now, the reason why I was rooting for the for the Indians, couple reasons. Number one. Uh, I, I go to Cleveland a lot. My friends and family live there. Kind of, they're 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 friends of mine, but they're like family, and I and I root for them for that reason. Um, but I love I love the city of Cleveland for the underdog. And let me let me make this back because some people seem to seem to be confused and, and seem to forget this fact regarding the Cleveland Indians. There's not, in my opinion, there is not one player on the Cleveland Indians roster in that World Series that could start for the Cubs. Not one. The Cubs are better at every single position. And Kluber might be the fourth starter on the, on the, on the Cubs. I mean, with Lester and Hendricks and Arietta, he'd be number four. He'd be barely, barely have a lackey, as good as he is. There is not one player on that Indians roster. That could start for the Cubs. First base is a blowout. I think second base is the only base, is the only position that's kind of close. I'm not a big bias fan, although everybody else is. Um, and I like Kipnis. Door's pretty good for the Indians. He's probably their best player. But as Russell Russell's going to start over him, third base is a blowout. Left field's a blowout with Zobrist. Hayward's a bust. Starting over Hayward, but there's not one Cleveland Indian that could start for the Cubs. Not one. And when I was making that argument with some baseball people, I know they they could dispute that. There's not one. Even the even the Indians' best pitcher would be the Cubs' number four. The Cubs have the second-highest payroll in baseball. They are a juggernaut. They are young. They are going to be back for years and years and years. This was it for the Indians. This was it. There's no other recourse. They're not – They're not. Uh... Now, I said on the air on Monday that I thought the Cubs were still going to win it, and I was right because I looked at the matchups, and Arrieta was a matchup blowout in game six. And I thought Hendricks was, was a blowout because of the fact that Kruber's coming off two, day, uh, two consecutive games on three days rest. But another thing, you, you would expect, like, when I was at the stadium, I thought there's got to be fifty sixty thousand 60,000 fans in here. There was only 38,000 fans at the game. And I think the stadium holds 36. People were fortunate enough to see that game. I mean, the Dodger Stadium holds 56,000, I think. So it's kind of a smaller stadium. It, it's not, I mean, it, it's on the smaller side, I think. But it looked enormous. It was packed to the Raptors, it was standing room only. There were people standing at the highest, highest places. It was unbelievable. And to have the tickets I had to sit there amongst Cubs fans and Indians fans, that 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 alone, is, the, the atmosphere was thick. It was just, and then the game kind of starts out, and you're thinking, "Oh, here we go, five to one, that's ball game." And, and you're sitting there, and you're thinking, and again, let me repeat this: there's not one Cleveland Indian player that could start for the Cubs, not one. Is this, does everybody understand that usually when you have a World Series between two teams, you've got players on each team that they can start for the other. Usually it's an even matchup. The Cleveland Indians, how they got there I don't know, but they are not a very good team on paper. They they, they, they obviously have great manager, a great manager of Francona, but th- that team was hideous. I mean, Napoli is hideous. Can barely hit his weight. There were a lot of controversial moves. I, I, I'm not going to get into the X's and O's. I'll tell you, you know, I'll get into what I think were the biggest plays of the game. And I didn't. I don't really have a criticism of any manager either one. They took some chances. They made some moves that I understood that maybe I might not have made, but you understood it. It wasn't a bad move. It didn't backfire technically. But they get back two runs on a wild pitch. You know, Rajay Davis kind of choked in center field on that tag up when it was 1-1 and a runner at third, and he hits a short fly ball to center. Rajay Davis catches it and doesn't think he's going to come. So he kind of double pumps or hesitates. Then he throws high, and then the runner's safe, and then they get another run. That that bonehead hesitation cost them two runs. He obviously made up for it later. 3-1, you're thinking, oh, okay, well, we can hang in there. We can get two runs. We can hang in there. Long way to go. Then they get two more runs. Now you're thinking, okay, now we're in serious trouble. Five runs, five and one. We come back, we get two on a wild pitch, which was a phenomenal bit of base running, to be honest. That's kind of the way the Indians had to score. They did not have the bats. That The Cubs hit home run after home run. I think they had three home runs. The Indians had to scrape for runs. They got two runs on a wild pitch. So it's five three, then it's six three on another home run by Ross. I mean, come on, the game's over. Then it's the eighth inning, down three. Here comes their ace, their 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 big gun, the hundred and one mile per hour guy, and you're thinking, ah, yeah, it's over. And and that that home run, if you were in that stadium when Rajay Davis hits that home run. I get I get chills just remembering it. it. It was it was exuberance, it was despair, it was so much emotion in that building, from the Cub fans dropping to their knees, to the to the Indians fans jumping up and down, and it was not just the, the excitement of it, it was the unbelievableness of it. A scrubby dude like Rajay Davis. I mean, the Indians were just full of scrubs, man. You didn't know who was going to play. You got Coco Crisp starting in left field. I mean, that dude was released by the A's, not traded, basically released. I think he officially was traded. I mean, you, you, you they, they have some. They had a trade made for Lucroy. Who was who was an all star catcher? And he turned it down. And the, and, the, and the Indians were in first place at the time. Yes, it was a trade. So I, I, I mean, basically they they were going to release him, and they ended up trading him. But you got you got guys Coco Crisp has been in the league for like I don't know 150 years and he's not very good, and, and he, he gets traded in the, at the end of the year for like a quarter. I, I, I don't even know what it was. Minor league left-hander Colt Hines and Cash. I mean, you didn't know if they were going to start Rajay Davis. You didn't know who was going to play. The only guys you knew were going to be in there were going to be Kipnis and Lindor probably. Everyone else you just had no idea. I mean, to be in that stadium, that home run—it was. You, you thought you—you you, you almost did a double take, like when he hit it. I remember just doing a flinch, like whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I, I think we all thought it was going foul. And when that thing cleared the fence, it, it was bedlam. I tried to video it, and, I, and the, the stadium was shaking. I couldn't really control the camera. It was unbelievable. And again, my reason for rooting for the Indians was the fact that I I know in my baseball professional opinion and I'm, I'm I'm a professional baseball fan. Do know baseball? I've been watching it since that's the one sport I've been watching it since I was literally eight with Vince Scully. And yes, I did go to Vince Scully's uh, celebration at Dodger Stadium, which was phenomenal, like a dream come true for me. But. I know in my heart, barring some kind of massive free agency signings, the Indians are not going to be back in the World Series. If they do, it is a massive upset. I mean, you got to put the Red Sox ahead of them next year because they're going to buy more players with all the money they've got. The Yankees are going to be back. The Blue Jays, the, it, the, the Orioles, the Rangers, the Tigers. Hell, even the Angels. Houston, and there's just no way Cleveland is going back. Also, Cleveland was playing without major players. They, they had injuries. I mean, Brantley, arguably one of their top players. Michael Brantley is one of their main guys. He's been out all year. And the Indians, even though they didn't have players that could play for the Cubs, the injuries were just brutal. Gomes was injured all pretty much the entire playoff. Salazar, I mean, they they they're just beat up. Gomes, and Salazar injuries put the Indians at just going with a three man rotation basically. Jones was hideous, let's not get into it, but losing him wasn't the end of the world. But Brantley, losing Brantley killed him. But that home run was, was, it was, that game was so emotional. And now getting into the strategy of the game, I knew they had the score in the bottom of the ninth, and they had the numbers one, two, and three batters coming up, and they didn't do it, and I knew that the game was over because the Cubs were coming up with Schwarber, who, by the way, he wasn't even going to be on the roster. He was a last-minute addition, and, man, did that not pan out. He was the key to that whole series because he gave them that extra stick that just extended that lineup. But he gets a hit, and the key to the game, the, the most important play of the entire game, was when he pitch ran for Schwarber, uh, Chris Bryant hits a deep fly ball to center, almost hits it out, and he tags up and goes to second. That that was an enormous play. If he doesn't tag up and go to second, then you don't have to walk Rizzo. And then you just pitch to Rizzo, he might hit and do a double play hitting over He tags up, takes second, then they walk Rizzo, and then Zobris gets the hit, and then the rest is history. Some of the moves, you know, the one move I didn't like that Francona made that was still not a bad move, but with a runner at third and one out, I believe, in the top of the ninth, he takes out Coco Crisp, and he brings in Martinez, I think is his name, and he's he's a better arm. And he did it for the right reasons. I mean, okay, if he hits the fly ball, I need all three outfitters to have a great arm. What I would have done, knowing that Martinez was such a light stick and Coco Crisp had been coming through most, you know, he had been coming through. Uh, I would have just, you know, left Coco Crisp and left and just rolled dice and hoped that I could tell my pitcher to not allow this guy to pull it. It was Baez at the plate, to not allow him to pull it because I don't want to hit to Coco Crisp because he's got a weak arm. And then, for some unexplicable reason, Baez buzzed on a full count pitch. I'm just baffled by that play. But him tagging up won the game for the Cubs. But the Indians just never quit. I remember at the top of the 10th when they were up two and the bases were loaded with one out. I was just saying to myself, man, let's just not, this. this game cannot get out of hand. It deserves to have a close ending. And they did. The, the Indians battled through it. They didn't score any more runs. Then in the bottom of the 10th, they get a run back, and they have the winning run at the plate, tying run on base. And who was at bat? Martinez. A Coco Crisps spot. So, again, it was a very difficult decision. I understood the decision. Um, you know, walking, uh, walking Rizzo, I agreed with. I thought that was the right move. He had Zobrist with I think it was a two two count and he was just up there to protect the plate like a professional hitter and he squibs it inside the third baseline. I mean that that that's disappointing. He didn't get around on it, it wasn't a good swing and he just got lucky. Well you get lucky, but you know what I mean. It was an absolutely phenomenal, amazing baseball game and the greatest atmosphere I've ever been a part of cannot express to you the emotion when the game was over you would expect there to be a lot of trash talking and cubs yeah there was those idiots that did that don't get me wrong but overall we're walking out of the stadium and it took a while because we were pretty low and Cubs fans were shaking hands with us, and, and we were saying congratulations to the Cubs fans. It was more about everyone saying what a great game it was than anything else. And that—that that, that's respect. Tears in the eyes on both ends. And I've been to – I don't know. I mean, literally, I've been to – and I can't even tell you. I've been to thousands of sporting events in my lifetime. Thousands. And that that topped them all. Obviously, on paper, you're thinking, okay, that's obvious. I mean, it's a Game 7. It's a NBA, Major League Baseball World Series Game 7. But the teams that were involved, Cation – The Cubs, the history of it, they kind of gave it as a given, but the game matched it. That was what made it. The game matched the obviousness of it. And and The only thing that could have been better was if that dude hits that that two-run jack in the bottom of the tent. That that would have made it to the point where I I don't think anybody would have left the stadium. I think we'd all still be there. Was unbelievably emotional. I'm a little burned out of the Cubs fans already. Though some of the celebrity types, they can shut their mouth. But what a great decision that you know I, I took a nap. We got to I got to bed at about three, woke up at six, and then drove home. Do it all again. Not even, not even close. So again, thanks to, to my brother Rob for hooking me up. But what a, what a great way to end the year. And just moving forward, you know, looking at some of the decisions that are going to be made. I, I don't even know who the free agents are. I, mean, I have no idea. I know the Cubs have some decisions to make on Hayward. I think it was like 140 free agents. I think Bartolo quote, and not, not not big names. Doug Fister, Kashner, Hellickson, Rich Hill from the Dodgers. I mean, he's like 100. I and mean, you're not looking at guys that are going to, you know, break the bank. Mark Melanson, Kenley Jansen could be pretty big. Uh, he's going to get a ton of money. Chapman's going to be a free agent. He's going to get a ton of money. We'll see where those two guys end up. You would think the Dodgers, with the money they've got, would re-sign Jansen. That's not a lot of great quality pitching. It's not a great year for free agency in general. Cespedes is going to be available. I don't think he's a world breaker. Incarnacion is going to be available. Justin Turner from the Dodgers. You would think the Dodgers are going to re-sign both those guys, but you never know. Trumbo, who's just a home run hitter, can't do much else. Ian Desmond's overrated. Apparently he's gonna resign anyways. Wilson Ramos, the catcher from the Nationals, he's not very good. Fowler's gonna go somewhere. Reddick. That's that's a hideous class of free agents. More at trades than anything else. But if you're asking me, it, 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 it does not look to me like a very good year for free agents. Neil Walker, Weeters, he's the mite. I'm not sure if he is or isn't. So if you think you're going to go out in a free agency and set your team, you're not. But you could you could really fill some gaps. But Encarnacion is 34. I mean, Cespedes is 31. Desmond, 31. Trumbull, 31. Bautista, 36. Turner, 32. Fowler, 31. Josh Reddick's hideous, 30. Readers could fill some roles because he's a pretty good catcher. But Neil Walker, surgery of all things. So the free agent class is extremely weak. The Cubs are solid, they don't need anything. Cubs need nothing. Maybe catcher. But their pitching is set. They got to continue to get that. They need to re-sign Chapman or re-sign a- another. They'll probably re-sign Chapman. Cuz their roster's set. They got they have a log jam in the outfield. You can put Zobris back in second base if you want cuz I I don't like bias, but Keep Baez in second. Keep Zobrist and left. Have Hayward come off the bench. I'd rather put Hayward in left. You know, then you can stick Schwarber and right, and then you can put Zobrist at second, and then have Baez as a as a utility man, relief man. Not a great free agent class. There could be some trades, though. They could trade Hayward. Who knows? Okay, moving on. Uh, basketball, I'm not going to get into because it disgusts me. It's so bad. Obviously, Durant wins round one. He went ballistic. It's obvious they don't like each other. But the game I was looking forward to, I'm going to see the game at KC. That's I'm going to see the game at OKC. I'm sick and tired of Draymond Green. I'm tired of him. He got two technicals this year already for yelling after dunks, and I I think it's great. Shut his mouth, man. Every time he yells and screams after a dunk, it reminds me of like a cornerback who deflects a pass and starts dancing on the field. If he starts yelling after dunks, just tee him up. Just shut him up. Steve Kerr comes to KD's defense. Screw KD. Uh, Westbrook came off a back-to-back. I didn't think they could win that game, anyways. But Durant's talking a lot of trash now. But the NBA is hard to watch. I'm not. I'm not going to get into the NBA. Let's move to some fun sports like we're gonna have this weekend. There's a couple of good games. Not a not a great weekend for college football. Last night we had some decent games. Western Michigan, who is not the twenty third best team in the country, by the way, but they are undefeated I think. Uh they won on I think Tuesday. Last night uh not last night, but Wednesday, Oklahoma beats Iowa State, I believe, by ten. I don't know what's going on. Colorado beat UCLA twenty to ten. So, uh, hold on. I'm looking on the ESPN website, and it has all the dates jacked up. ESPN man, they said they struggle sometimes. Seriously. Saturday's games, there's usually great games on each level, meaning at, you know, at 12, at three, at seven and eight. Not, uh, not this week. We're going to come down to the evening games. I think this Alabama LSU game is going to be closer than people think. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I am not, uh, I'm not here to be one of the few that say that Alabama is is by far and away going to just dominate everybody. No, LSU is ranked 13, even though they've gotten some hideous results this year. But looking at the rankings, it's been what it's been all year. So the playoff rankings came out, Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Michigan 3, Tech A&M 4, ahead of Washington. That's the shocker. Texas A and M who got blown out thirty three to fourteen and whose schedule they don't play anybody good until LSU at the end. There's no way in my opinion that this A and M can remain at that position. There's no way Texas A&M can can be the fourth best team ranked in the in the playoff brackets. I I don't I don't understand it. If they had a close loss to Alabama, I could buy it. They got blown out. I, I don't know how they came up with that. But again, when you have human beings, oh, getting back to the baseball thing. I said this before. The umpires were hideous. They, they called the Baez play safe when he was out. I mean, they called him out when he was safe uh, when Baez drops the ball at second base. I, I really don't understand how bad the umpiring can be. It, it, I don't understand how it's this bad. It is hideously bad. They need to go to electronic umpiring. It's it just, it's inevitable. Within five years, we're not going to have umpires playing balls and strikes anymore because they are just a mess. It's a disaster. I think they're taking bets. We're getting back to the college football playoff rankings. Washington undefeated at five, Ohio State six, Louisville seven, Wisconsin eight, Auburn nine, Nebraska ten. Now, Nebraska plays Ohio State this week, so that's going to take care of one of those two teams. One of those teams is done after Saturday night. Alabama can lose and still be in the top four. LSU is number 13. If LSU wins that game, they're going to propel themselves into about the number seven or six ranking. Clemson winning that game on, on, over the weekend keeps them into the playoffs. They're going to make it to the playoffs. The winner of Michigan-Ohio State makes it in. And according to these rankings, if they were to stay true, Texas A&M is locked in. They're not going to play the SEC championship game. So they just got to finish out their schedule. They got to beat LSU at the end of the year, and they're in. And it's at home against LSU after Thanksgiving, I believe. Before that, they have, uh, like, New Mexico State. No, they already played them. Mississippi State, Mississippi, and Texas San Antonio. The Huskies are at five and it's because of their bad preseason schedule. Rutgers, Idaho, Portland State. So I get that. Barely beat Arizona. They smashed Stanford, smashed Oregon, smashed Oregon State, and then barely beat Utah. But they're gonna have their only tough games are gonna be USC at home and at Washington State. And that's a rivalry game, obviously. If they finish the season undefeated, they're in. I think that's pretty obvious. USC has Oregon this week, and then they are at Washington. That's that's going to be Washington's big challenge. Because regardless of how bad USC is, they still have athletes. But, yeah, you're going to tell me Texas A&M is four. I would have been more impressed if they put Ohio State at four or Louisville at four. Texas ain't him. Uh, they beat UCLA, who is hideous, by the way. They beat Tennessee, who's way overrated, and they beat it by a touchdown. At home. And they were lucky to beat Tennessee. They beat Arkansas at home. Their resume's not that impressive either. I'm just confused by that. Quite confused. So the noon games, uh, college football, we have number nine Auburn against Vanderbilt, but they're at home. Louisville's at Boston College. Those should be blowouts. Georgia Tech at Carolina, blowout. At the 3:30 slot, Maryland at Michigan should be a blowout. Syracuse at Clemson, blowout. Virginia Tech number nineteen at Duke. Who cares? TCU at Baylor, number 17, Baylor. Who cares? That's a 330. So nothing really good. Florida at number 11, at Arkansas. Who cares? Although I do think Arkansas could win that game and end Florida's year. 4 o'clock, Washington State at home against Arizona. Now, Washington State's 25. They're not obviously in any kind of playoff hunt. But if they can continue to win and get those rankings up to about 18, Then that's going to be a bigger, impressive win for Washington. 7 o'clock, Florida State and NC State. Who cares? NC State's pretty good, though. Done. Their their season's got to be over. They might come in there dejected and get smashed. Kansas at West Virginia. Kansas could be the worst football team in college football. Iowa at number 12, Penn State. Penn State is all the way up to 12. Can Iowa pull off the upset? Then they have Indiana, Rutgers, and Michigan State. It looks to me like Penn State's going to end up winning out. And they'll have just two losses. and They'll be a top-ten team, which is ridiculous. Games, Alabama at LSU, 8 o'clock on CBS. Nebraska at Ohio State, 8 o'clock ABC. Two massive games, both at 8 o'clock. So you kind of have the morning off. Now, maybe there's a massive upset in there somewhere. Washington, number five, is at Cal. Obviously, they can't lose or they're done or they can't even really have a close win. But there's your college football standings. NFL. Atlanta, I think Atlanta's a playoff team, but they blew out Tampa. Game wasn't even as close as the score. That Ryan's having a pretty good year. On ESPN, if you go to ESPN.com, They have the uh, Cowboys and and Browns playing on Saturday. (laughs) And Philly plays the Giants on Saturday. Both at 12 a.m. Eastern. Welcome to ESPN.com. With all the money ESPN has, you think they'd have somebody that can make a competent website. I don't even know if those guys are even playing. Who knows? Well, because of the six teams that are on buys, no patriots no arizona no redskins no houston no cincinnati no chicago by the way i got a question uh should the indians change their name because it's politically incorrect well then if that's the case and i i understand it okay i get it but then is is let me ask you this is uh if you're the wyoming cowboys is that politically incorrect because you're a cowboy I mean, always got to be, yeah, you got to get rid of that name too, right? Well, what about if you're a member of PETA? You, you can't call them an animal. You can't say Nittany Lions. That's 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 biased towards animals. I mean, it's just it's just getting out of hand. Just my opinion. Dallas is going to kill Cleveland. My gosh, poor Cleveland, they're done. He's still haven't recovered. Philly at the Giants. Detroit at Minnesota. Minnesota's looked like garbage the last couple of weeks. They need uh, a big win. Detroit's got a potent offense, but I think at home Minnesota's very difficult to beat. The way it looks now, Minnesota's not going to have home field advantage, which means they're not going to the Super Bowl. Right now, I pick the Cowboys to be in the Super Bowl. If the season ended today, Carolina at the Rams. Rams are hideous. I said it from the beginning. They might have three wins, but it's a joke. Carolina should win. Unless Cam Newton cries. Saints at Niners. I would hope the Saints could win that. Niners are just a mess. Tennessee at San Diego. I like San Diego at home. India at Green Bay. I like Green Bay at home. These are all blowouts. There is a good game at 830 with the Raiders and and Broncos. That's going to be a great game. I like the Raiders in that game. This win will put the Raiders on the map. If the Raiders lose, then they are what they always have been. Monday night, Buffalo at Seattle. It's actually a decent game. Thing about prices and seats availability, seat availability. 33 bucks gets you into the Chargers game. Kind of a shock. I would have thought the Cleveland Brown game would have been cheap, but then again, it's the Cowboys. That ticket's 133 bucks, cheapest ticket. 39 bucks to get you into a Niners game, that makes sense. 212 bucks to get you into that Raider game. 194 bucks to get you into Green Bay. 179 bucks to get you into that Giant game against the Eagles. Those are all the cheapest tickets available. 115 bucks in Minnesota, 139 bucks in Seattle, the game with the most seats available, the Rams, yeah, that makes sense, you get into that game for 62 bucks, 6,000 seats available, 4,500 available in San Diego and San Francisco, only 900 left in Green Bay, that's normal. But it is a slow week with all the buys. I'm not a big fan of the buys. Sherman's very opinionated. He says the league has got low ratings because it's not fun. Oh, okay. The reason why there's a low ratings this year in the NFL, lower than normal, because the teams suck and the referees call too many penalties. That's why. The game's a disgusting mess. It takes an hour and a half to get through the penalties alone. reason was killing the game so there's that there's that theory bartman's not going to the parade, by the way praise today for the cubs how about the harvard second the harvard soccer team has forfeited the season Um, because of ranking female recruits, I believe. A tradition has started in tradition, uh, quote, unquote. As a direct result of what happened in Harvard Athletics and what we have learned, we have decided to cancel the remainder of the 2016 men's soccer season. The team will forfeit remaining games and will decline any opportunity to advance an Ivy League championship or to participate in the NCAA tournament this year. I think they were leading the league. School's been investigating a document that is circulated by the 2012 men's soccer team. The document, which comprised sexual comments about members of the women's soccer team, was uncovered last week by the Harper Crimson. I'm a little confused by this. University President Drew Faust said in the statement that she was deeply distressed to learn that the appalling actions of the 2012 men's soccer team were not isolated to one year or the actions of a few individuals. The decision to cancel the season is serious and consequential, and reflects Harvard's view. Teams' behavior and the failure to be forthcoming when initially questioned are completely unacceptable have no place at Harvard, and run counter to the mutual respect that is a core value of our community. The document rated the attractiveness of recruits on the women's team and included lewd comments about them. Members of the men's team called it their scouting report and circulated it online. So the game, the season's over for them. And if they would have beaten Columbia on Saturday, they would, they would have clinched an automatic NCAA bid for Harvard. Now it's all over. It's the world we live in, man. You got to know that, guys. You just got to know it. Even if you're joking around. It just doesn't work that way. Lesson learned, I hope. Well, that's all I've got. I'm not going to get into it much more. I'm still buzzing from the uh, game seven. I I, I just can't. I'm still, like, a little affected by it, to be honest with you. So I have a full day today. Uh, There's sneaker con going on in New York tomorrow. So I'll be in New York City tomorrow, again, living the life. I'm a very fortunate man. I am a lucky dude, man. Go where I want, when I want. I'll be in London soon, going to Greece, Hawaii, Alaska. It's a great life. I'm not complaining. But you get out of life what you put into it. That's my motto. So enjoy your weekend, everybody. It should be a fun weekend. Not a great weekend. Baseball's over. Basketballs in the whole home stages. That that will last until April. Um, NCAA basketball starts in about a week. I think the big games are coming up on the 11th. So that that'll be some joy back into my life. NFL's down. College football is always going to be great. That's the one thing about college football. It's almost always great. NFL is a whole hum year. I mean, if the the Patriots don't win it this year, they're never going to win another one. I mean, the the whole league is way down. And I think if you had to say right now who's going to be in it, you'd have to say New England-Dallas. And that would be a ratings bonanza. Um, But you got NFL, college football, you got a little bit of hockey in there. I'll get into hockey later, NBA action. Another week to endure before college basketball gets here, then we get a little more fun. College football, college basketball bring life back into us. But thank you to the Indians. Thank you to the Cubs. Great, great World Series. The games weren't really all that great until game seven. I think, was it game three where they, the, I think the Indians won 1-0? That was probably the other good game. Game five was good too, the 3-2 game. Alright, like I said, that's all I've got If you want to follow me on Twitter uh, At Coach Dave Taylor Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes Get real with Coach Dave Taylor You can subscribe to the podcast um, Get the emails coming Coachdavetaylor at com. Don't drink and drive Don't text and drive I'm going to leave you with a song off the website YoBigBro.com Corey Heights, the sponsor of the program called Dopamine by Dive. Isn't dopamine like a drug? Who knows? Don't drink and drive, man. Don't text and drive. Be smart. Make a difference in someone's life. Enjoy your life, everybody. If you don't enjoy your life, if you're not having fun, if you're just doing the grind and you're working every day to make the money, but you're not really happy, make a change. Trust me. I'd rather be happy and live five less years than be miserable living five more years. Live your life. Every day. All right, everybody. I'm out. Be good.